Good morning. Please open your Bible with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll begin reading there in verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Now the Lord's Supper means absolutely nothing to us unless we can partake of it in a spiritual manner. You see, we must understand what we're doing and we must do it with faith, love, and sincerity. For to come to the table of the Lord in an unthinking, unconscious way would be a mockery of this precious and sacred remembrance of our Lord. And we all know how thoughtless and automatic we can be at times. Many times I've found myself singing a hymn in such a distracted and careless way, the glorious promises of the gospel, and singing them in such a thoughtless way that they leave me unaffected, just like we can bow our heads in prayer and yet not even pray. You see, even though we may open our mouths in prayer, we don't always pray, do we? We read the Bible. And a moment later, we can't remember what we just read. Or worse yet, we've even been guilty of preaching the good news of redemption, the glorious finished salvation we have through our Lord's blood, and yet do it with our, not, and and yet not do it with our hearts, but just do it with our heads, trying to win an argument rather than sanctifying the Lord God in our hearts and giving that ready answer to every man and doing it from the heart, not just our head, setting forth the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. So when we come to the Lord's table, indeed His table, we must bring our hearts with us. We must observe it, partaking of it in a spiritual, heartfelt manner. Additionally, when we come to the table of the Lord, we must remember that we not only partake of it spiritually, 
but that it is also a memorial to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord said in Luke chapter 22, which was just read to us a moment ago, he tells us, this do in remembrance of me. Beloved, his table, his supper is a memorial of him. Remembering that we are sanctified through that life he lived in his holy body and justified through his shed blood, saved through the sin-atoning death and sacrifice of himself. And so it's in a remembrance to keep alive, first of all, in our hearts and then to thoughtfully consider it in our minds how that the Son of God came into this world, wrapped himself in human flesh, and died to give his life as a ransom for his people. He declared, The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. While great men of the past, having lived and died, have had statues erected to their memory, others have had bronze plaques put on public display, and still others have been busy about having buildings constructed as a memorial to their names. But our Lord Jesus gave to his church, his beloved people, the Lord's Supper, which is a perpetual memorial of remembrance till he come. Now, it's not a statue. It's not a plaque. It's not a building. Rather, it's a supper, the Lord's Supper. And it's a perpetual memorial to our Lord's sacrifice till he come again. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And look there with me in verse 26. We read there in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. towards the latter part there. This is God's word, beloved. He put away our sin. I'll read the whole verse. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Beloved, he put away our sin, the sin of God's elect, by the sacrifice of himself. Now, the Lord's Supper is much more than a memorial, say, like Remembrance Day. Because further to being a memorial, it also pictures for us our personal union with Christ. You see, beloved, not only do we show his death through his memorial supper, but further we actually, by faith, enter into the accomplishment of his death, feeding upon what Christ has done for us personally. Our Lord said... This is my body, which is given for you, given to establish your righteousness, your sanctification. He said, this is the cup. This cup is the the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you, shed for your sins, shed for your justification. And when he offered the sacrifice of himself, he said, speaking of the salvation of all his people, it is finished. Beloved, he saved us through our union to him, with him, and in him. Beloved, he has saved us to the uttermost. For our Heavenly Father has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And seated upon the throne of God, the Alpha and the Omega, we hear our great Savior declaring in glory, It is done. Beloved, His victorious death was our death. His victory is our victory. You see, beloved, the cross of Christ in which we glory is not only His cross, but our cross. And through His sacrifice on the tree, united to Him, every believing sinner can say with Him, Salvation, it is finished. Salvation, it is done. Glory to God, the author and finisher of my faith. Glory to God, the Son accomplished my warfare. He has saved me to the uttermost. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I under the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 26, the Apostle writes, As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Now, first of all, notice it's his supper. We come to his table, not mine, not yours, not a denomination's table, not the elder's table. Rather, this table of memorial, this supper of remembrance, is of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his supper, and it's observed in remembrance of him. Now, I have three questions that I'd like to use to navigate this vitally important subject the subject of the Lord's Supper, and here are those three questions. What does the Lord's table show? How does it show it? And lastly, how long will it show it? So what does the, the Lord's table show? Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, the apostle writes, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. So the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table, shows the Lord's death. Now, there are some people that say that we ought not to spend so much time on the crucifixion, the blood, the death, and the sacrifice of the Son of God, and that rather we ought to spend more time on the life of the Son of God and preaching practical things. Well, beloved, we have reason for making much of the death of Jesus Christ, several reasons, in fact. First, the death of Christ is what the apostle preached. That was their message. The apostles preached Christ and him crucified. John the Baptist, the forerunner sent by the Father, indeed a man sent of God, you remember what his message was? His message was this. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And so John the Baptist preached the death and sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, Christ in him crucified. After our Lord died and rose from the grave and ascended to the Father, Peter stood to preach on that day of Pentecost. What did he preach? Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Yet the Father has raised him up and exalted him, 
Peter declared, God the Father hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So we see Peter preached the death and sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, Christ and him crucified. The apostle declared, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so that's what the Holy Spirit would have us to know. The death and sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, Christ and him crucified. Beloved, that's our message. God's word declares, For another foundation can no man lay than that which is laid. Christ Jesus the Lord. And so we see his sacrifice, his death, Christ and him crucified was the message of the apostles. Now, the second reason we make much of the death and sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ is this. His sacrifice, his death, Christ and him crucified was the message of the prophets. God sets forth by his servant Luke in the book of Acts to him, that is Christ Jesus, our Lord, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him in his blessed righteous person and his sin atoning death shall receive remission of sins. Beloved, that is the very essence and heart of the gospel. Now, if we leave out his substitutionary sacrifice, if we leave out his suffering sacrifice on behalf of his people, the sacrifice accepted of the Father, we don't have any gospel. Now, in my preaching, I can leave off history. I can leave off science. I can leave off geography. I can leave off what is pragmatic. But if I leave off preaching Christ and his death, burial and resurrection, if I leave off preaching Christ and him crucified, no one will be saved. Beloved, if we leave out the death of Christ, there's no hope for anybody. For if we leave out the cross, there's no salvation. If we leave out the blood, there's no remission. If we leave out the finished once-for-all sacrifice of the Son of God, there's no rest for the sinner. Beloved, his finished sacrifice is the essence, indeed the heart of the gospel. God's word declares in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 18. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for, for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us unto God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Beloved, that's why he suffered and died. It says there in God's word, God's word declares, For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us unto God. That he might bring us to God. Beloved, that's why he suffered and died. That he might bring us to God. That's what this is all about. Beloved, believing sinner, He died to bring us to God. Now, there are a lot of things I need, but the chief need is for someone to save me. That's my chief need. I need someone to save me, for someone to bring me, to reconcile me to God, and that's the reason Christ suffered. He once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. 
being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Indeed, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, but rather imputing them to his Son, that our Heavenly Father might be the Father of all them that believe, that his Son's righteousness might be imputed to us. Beloved, that's our message. That's the essence and heart of the gospel. So we make much of the death of Christ. First of all, because it was the message of the apostles. Secondly, because it's the heart and message of this book. Indeed, the message of God's only holy book, the Bible, is Christ. The gospel of his being our substitute. The gospel of his redeeming us by his blood and righteousness. Indeed, that is the gospel of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, expounded unto his sheep the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And now here is the third reason we make much of the death of Christ. Because his death was effectual. For by it, beloved, he accomplished our salvation. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I want to direct your attention just to a portion of verse 14. And I pray the Lord will bless the words contained here and teach someone here who has yet not heard the gospel nor understood it. Our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, says, As it's written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God. And all who hear the Father... And learn of him, come to me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. I was looking at this verse with my family recently, and I was just blessed to just mull it over. <laughs> it says here, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Now just look at those two words, purchased possession. Notice it does not say purchased possibility. When you buy something, you possess it. It's particular. It's not something that's just a possibility. <laughs> and when our Lord Jesus Christ shed his precious blood on the cross, he purchased his people. He did not purchase the mere possibility of salvation that now depends upon what you won't do or will do. Rather, he purchased his people. God's word says here, speaking of purchased possession, that his people are purchased, a particular people, beloved. Not, not a possibility of salvation, but an accomplished salvation. And that's the offense of the cross, that's an effectual salvation for a particular people. See, people are not offended when they hear God loves everybody and wants to save everybody. Now think about that for a moment. If God loves everybody and wants to save everybody and everybody's not saved, what have you just heard? You've heard the message of a failure. You've heard the message of the Antichrist that is paraded around as the gospel. The offense is this, the Lord Jesus Christ only shed his precious blood for his people. A people that no one can number, 
But get that thought out of your mind that it is describing everyone. Salvation is not according to chance. It is according to God's glorious purpose. It's so good to hear, beloved, that our Lord Jesus Christ accomplished our warfare. He accomplished our salvation on the cross. God help everyone here this morning to hear that. The Lord Jesus Christ is a sovereign, successful Savior, and he saved his people to the uttermost. And as I was saying, this is the offense of the cross. Now, where is the offense exactly? The offense is in the cross. So, my friend, don't let anyone deceive you. This is where the offense of the cross is, in that it is a particular death that our Lord died for his people. To the religious Jew, God's word says the cross is a stumbling block. And to the pagan Gentile and his so-called scientific mind, the cross is sheer absurdity and foolishness. And so the preaching of the cross is an offensive message to the natural man. Now, while men will readily rally around good works, denominations, and even rally around doctrines, but they're offended by the sacrifice of the Lord's cross as it's revealed and set forth in the word of God. Beloved, his sacrifice on the cross standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. <clears throat> Many of you will remember the words of our Lord recorded for us in John chapter 10 when he explains why there is a group over here that don't believe. Do you remember the reason he gave for these so-called experts of the law, why they didn't believe. He did not say that it was the case that they didn't understand it, that it wasn't explained to them properly. He says simply, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. The implication is this. He did not shed his precious blood for them. He did not die for them. But he goes on to talk about his beloved people this way. He says, but my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, sooner or later, you will come to know (laughs) through a revelation from above. He will make it known to you that he has given you eternal life undeservedly, without your part in it, without your say in it. It's not that he said, my sheep hear my voice and I offer them eternal life. And if you let him save you, he will. That's not the gospel. The gospel takes every one of his people off guard. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in a bar drinking beer or you're a missionary out in the field. (laughs) He'll save you and make it known to you. And you'll have no part in it. All you'll know is you've come forth from a tomb of death, a tomb of a false gospel, a tomb of a false hope. And God will make it known to you, just like he made it known to Lazarus. Lazarus, how exactly is it you came out of that tomb? (laughs) I don't know. All I know is I heard the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come forth. And he wasn't offered to come forth. He was commanded to come forth from that tomb. And it's a picture, it's an illustration of all of us by nature. In nature, we're born into this world dead, damned, dirty, worthy of hell. And he calls us forth from that tomb of unbelief, and we believe. What do we believe? It's as simple as this. You actually, 
and really believe the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe his words, not the words of men, not the words of a denomination. And while we love the faithful pastor that was sent to us to preach the gospel, we don't believe his words, but through that man, (laughs) we believe the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, and look there with me, beginning in verse 19. God's Word declares in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Praise the Lord. Our Lord's finished work on the cross, the sacrifice he made for the sins of his people, standeth sure against every blast from from unbelieving men. It standeth sure against the hatred of the world and every lie from hell. Indeed, the cross of Christ shall never be overthrown. Praise the Lord for his finished saving work on the cross. Beloved, when we come to this table this morning, if we come reverently and rightly, we confess that by the death of Christ we live. By the blood of Christ we're forgiven of all our sins. Not 99.9% of them, all of them, beloved. I'd have no gospel to preach if I thought that I only was saved from 99% of My sins and 1% depended upon me. That's no gospel at all. Rather, we come to this table believing that by the blood of Christ, we are forgiven of all our sins. By the sacrifice of Christ, we're brought to God. By the atonement of Christ, we're justified, indeed declared innocent in his sight. My friend, if you reject the cross, you reject the Christ of the cross. And if you reject him and his cross, you reject the true meaning of his supper. And therefore, it is absolutely vain for you to partake of it. And it would have absolutely no meaning for you whatsoever if you did not believe these things. But for you, beloved of God, for you, beloved believing sinner, we rejoice in his blood which was shed for us, that precious blood of God, and we treasure it. How that God came to this earth in human flesh, and died on Calvary's cross, and by his stripes we're healed. This supper is a pure memorial and remembrance for the redeemed child of God, an ordinance that his people gladly obey, for his commandments are not grievous. And so in observing his ordinance, beloved, we're remembering our hope, our help, our refuge, and all that he has done to save us to the uttermost through his sin-atoning death, And so that's why we make much of the death of Christ. Now, having already addressed the question of what his table shows, let us now consider this question. How is it that this broken bread and this bruised wine show the death of Jesus Christ? First of all, we take the bread and the wine separately. Death death separates the blood from the body. When our Lord died on the cross, his blood was shed. He said, this is my blood of the new of the new testament which is shed for many 
shed for you, beloved believing sinner, shed for his sheep. When they drove the nails into his hands, his blood was shed. When they put the crown of thorns on his brow, his blood was shed. When the soldiers took turns to see who could outdo the other in ripping open the flesh of his back with that whip of shards, spikes, and heavy lead, his blood was shed. And at the last, they drove that spear into his side, and his blood was shed. And so all his precious blood came forth from his broken body. So when we break this bread, indeed take and eat it, we're taking an emblem, a symbol of his body, which died and his blood which was shed. So when we break this bread, indeed take and eat it, we're taking an emblem, a symbol of his body, which died and his blood which was shed. As the psalmist writes in Psalm 22, those Roman soldiers compassed him about, and with them the assembly of the wicked. They enclosed him, and they pierced his hands and his feet. Beloved, when we take this bread, which is symbolic of our Lord's broken body, and this wine, which is symbolic of his blood, we do the same thing that Christ did. We give thanks, giving thanks for the sufficiency of his blood. My friend, if his blood is not sufficient to save, we have no reason to thank him for it. But beloved, when we hold this bread, which is a memorial, a remembrance of Christ's body, we can say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your body broken for me. And in being broken, you satisfied all the justice of God on my behalf, and I'm complete in you. When I take the wine which represents his blood, I can give thanks. I can say, thank you, Lord, for saving me to the uttermost, for washing me in the sin-cleansing fount of your precious blood. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. My friend, his blood is sufficient to put away all my sins. His blood is sufficient to put away all the sins of his people. Beloved, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, we're cleansed from all our sins. Beloved believing sinner, you are in God's sight, being found united to his darling Son by his undeserved grace. You are holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Our Lord gave thanks, and then he said there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. Take, eat. Now, have you ever seen that ritual that masquerades as the Lord's Supper? It's not the Lord's Supper, but it masquerades and pretends to be such. That blasphemous ritual called the Mass. Well, I have. You see, I was raised as a Roman Catholic. When we came in to receive the wafer, now we didn't call the thing that we held in our hands bread. We just called it a wafer. When I received a wafer at a set time, everyone would exit the pews and line up one after another before the priest. And when it was my turn, I'd open my mouth or stick out my hands, and the priest would either put the wafer into my hands or into my mouth. And to be clear, all that I did as a boy in Roman Catholicism, in what they call the Mass, 
is not in any way representative of what our Lord instituted. Not at all. It's just a perverted phony. Now, while the phony priest would put the wafer into my mouth or my hands, beloved, our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, and yes, beloved, we have a priest, and his name is Jesus Christ, the righteous. Our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who said, Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. He says to you, beloved, take and eat. My friend, I'm not going to put those symbols of remembrance into your hands or into your mouth. And Brother Gary, Brother Tyler is not going to do that either. My friend, this memorial, this supper of remembrance that our Lord instituted represents remembering on your own behalf, beholding his broken body and his precious blood by faith. That is to say, God's ministers are sent to preach to your ear, and we say with our Lord Jesus Christ that this bread represents his body, this wine represents his blood. And believer, you hear that. You know you're a sinner. You know you need help. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You know you need grace. You know you need forgiveness. You know you need Christ to die for you, to save you to the uttermost. And so I'm not going to put this remembrance into your hands. I'm not going to put this remembrance into your mouth. No more than I'm going to remember for you. My high priest did not do that. He said, take, eat. The Lord Jesus Christ himself didn't put it in someone's mouth. He didn't put the, these, these elements to remember his, his body and blood by. He didn't put it into their mouth. And I'm not going to do it either. God's not going to make you take it. You're not going to be saved against your will. You're not going to be taken by the hair of your head and dragged into heaven. This salvation is not going to be put within you. You're going to have to take it. And beloved, we take it when he makes us willing in the day of his power. And so when the bread and the wine is passed in front of you, believing sinner, you've heard the message with your ears and with your heart. If God the Holy Spirit's done anything for you, and when those elements are put before you, by an act of faith, believing what Christ did through the faith that is of the operation of God, discerning, beholding the Lord's body, understanding what happened on the cross, hearing his voice, do this in remembrance of me. You're going to reach and take that bread and take that wine. And when you take it into your mouth, it's an act of faith and a confession of Christ. And my friend, you'll not just hear him selectively, for if you hear him, indeed, if he has saved you, you'll hear him declaring, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Just as plainly and clearly as take, eat, drink, this do in remembrance of me. The Lord's people are not hypocrites. If you're saved, you'll partake of his ordinance to remember him, just as sure as you'll obey his ordinance of water baptism. And you'll do that not to be saved, but because, beloved, you already are. Saved by the blood and righteousness of Christ. And so through this ordinance, you're confessing, I believe his body was broken for me. I believe his blood was shed for me. 
And so no one is going to put those elements into your mouth. You're going to put it into your own mouth. But no priest is going to do that for you. No preacher is going to do that for you. And no participant here this morning is going to do that for you. Beloved, believing sinner of God, you're going to do that for yourself. That's what our Lord taught his disciples. He gave thanks and he said, you take it. Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And no, he didn't hand them the bread. What words has the Holy Spirit preserved and recorded for us to know from our Lord? Take, eat. So you take it, beloved, and you eat it. That's what our blessed Redeemer said. This is my body, which is broken for you. And so this is a personal thing. When I take the Lord's table, when I take the bread, which is a memorial to his broken body, and the wine, which is a memorial to his shed blood, it's me and God. It's me and Christ. It's my confession. It's my remembering him. It's my communion with him. It's my remembering the Lord being made my sins, being made my shame, and dying for all of them, putting away my transgressions, putting away my iniquities by the sacrifice of himself. And so I'm remembering him and how he saved me. Verse 28, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Pay attention and carefully listen to this. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. My friend, the Lord's table is for believers. Those who do not believe have no right to come. For a man to eat this bread and drink this cup in an unworthy manner, that is, not to discern the Lord's body, not discerning the Lord's sacrifice, not discerning the Lord's blood, not believing what he did, what he accomplished, and who he did it for, is to eat and drink damnation to oneself. The unbeliever, that person who does not believe that Christ died for his sins, the one who does not believe his blood was shed for his sin, has no right to come. My friend, our Lord died for believers. Our Lord's blood was shed for those who believe. Our Lord suffered this effectual sacrifice, the effectual offering for sin on behalf of believers, his elect. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, This is the Father's will, he who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I shall lose nothing but raise it up again on the last day. Now, for an unbeliever to participate in this broken bread and bruised wine is to eat and drink further condemnation, indeed damnation to himself. How does it show his death? It shows a particular, sufficient, effectual sacrifice for every believer. That's what it shows. Beloved, our Lord Jesus Christ says, This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. You take it and you partake of it. You're welcome to it because you've participated in his death, and therefore you have every right to participate in his supper, a memorial done in remembrance of him, our blessed Redeemer. God's word declares, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. My sinner friend, our Lord declares, 
Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. I said at the outset of this message, I would be using three questions to navigate our subject this morning. Now, we've already answered the first question, what does the Lord's Supper show? And secondly, how does it show it? Here's our third question. How long will the Lord's table show his death? God's word tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. So, beloved, that simply means this. When our Lord returns, we shall no longer observe the Lord's table. Charles Spurgeon said regarding the Lord's table, quote, We are in a world where men forget, and as long as we are in such a world, we must keep this signpost, this memorial, for those who want to journey to heaven. We must never take the signpost down till there be no need of it, because Christ will have come, and when, sh- and when he shall have come, beloved, we shall not even then forget his death. When he shall come, do not think we shall give up the Lord's Supper because we give up thinking of him. No, no. We shall give it up because we shall then never give up thinking of him. For we will be present, for he will be present with us, and he being present with us, we shall not need the help of his memorial supper any further, which for the moment our weakness requires. End quote. Beloved, someday the Lord's memorial supper will be replaced by his blessed presence. But until he come, let us think how heaven, our true home, has been made ours through his broken body and shed blood. Till that blessed day he come. Beloved, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, once again we we come before your throne of grace undeservedly through the merit of your beloved Son. We come to you remembering his perfect life. We come before you remembering his sin-atoning death. Father, I beg you in the name of your beloved Son, behold us and grant that we never forget what your beloved Son Christ Jesus the Lord has done for us. May we never forget the eternal everlasting story of what he's his doing and dying has accomplished for us. For Christ's sake, for his glory and the good of his people, indeed the salvation of his people, in season and out of season, Father, spend us for his glory, making much of his death. Grant that we may be used in his service and cause us to grow all the more in the grace and the knowledge and the love of your Son, that thy precious blood, the blood of your beloved Son, might become all the more precious, not not only to us, Father, but those who live in New Canny, who live in East Montgomery County, who live in Houston, your elect people. May they, through this local body of your people, Father, come to know the salvation that is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ, to hear of how it is that he has accomplished our salvation. Thank you, Father, for this time around your word. 
And we just ask you, Father, that you would continue to be with us as we observe this memorial supper. Be with us, Father, as we remember the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, remembering your Son's perfect life as he lived on the earth, establishing our perfect righteousness. And also, Father, help us to remember not only his life and his body, but that precious blood that washes us, cleanses us of all our sins. We ask all these things for his glory and in his name. Amen.